You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. I really had to seek the Holy Spirit for the Word this morning. Uh, oftentimes, the Lord gives, gives it to me in advance. I have, I'm completely relaxed. I know exactly what I'm going to be talking about. You know, I just got to sit down in front of that computer, put together the notes. Of my, uh, there's a free flow of thoughts. And this one, I really had to labor and ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? <clears throat> and um, this feels right. It's in line with a lot of what the Lord has been speaking to this church. So we're going to read this together, and then we're going to pray, and I'm going to dismiss these guys, and we're going to unpack this word. But I want you to, as you listen to the words this morning, forget the fact that it's some guy preaching. You know, I never put credence in myself, and I forget sometimes I'm the senior pastor. And when I say hi to someone, it lifts their day. I'm thinking, but I'm just Paul. <laughs> I'm nothing. And, but I really want you to lay hold of the word this morning. You're going to draw something out of, the, out of the Holy Spirit, you know, inside of me this morning. It'll be a word for you. So read with me Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 27 to 30. Are you ready, church? Okay, read with me together. Follow me. Above all, I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I really like the way it's rendered here. Above all. What does that mean? Above everything else. This is so important. Above all. You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Father, this morning, I ask for the impartation and the release of the Holy Spirit, your spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you'd begin to quicken our minds, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that we might perceive and understand the word that you have for us this morning. Father, it is words of affection and words of love. It is words of identity and reclaiming, Lord, the fact that we are sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That we have authority, Lord God, beyond what we can see and hear, taste, touch, and smell. But Father God, our authority extends beyond this realm unto a realm beyond. That Father God, we are the makers and the changers that will weave earth until it reflects heaven. I pray, Father God, that destinies will be restored this morning. I pray for those who've never heard a message like this, that Father God, you'd begin to just uh, turn their minds around, Lord God, a 180 turn, 360 turn, until Father God, they can barely recognize themselves because all they see is Jesus. Father, this morning, release the word with power and authority. I pray, Lord God, according to your word, your word says, where the gospel is preached, signs and wonders follow. Healings and miracles follow and demons flee. This morning, we command every satanic work upon the lives of your sons and daughters and those that will hear this message 
to scatter and to flee in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord God, for every sickness, every lingering sickness, every long-term sickness, both in the body and in the, in the mind, in the name of Jesus, we command you to go. And we release the power of the kingdom of heaven now in Jesus' name. And all God's people agreed with that and said, Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. Why don't we give a hand? It's great to see Isaac and Silas returning to the team. Thank you to our great leader, Gus. God bless you guys. And Eden and Marty, thank you for leading us in worship this morning. I love this word because it's, it, it has so much in it in this just short little passage that I don't want you to miss and I want you to understand. And if you can hear the words of Paul the Apostle, as he is drumming home this word to you, and an apostle is saying, hey guys, you must, he's using these very strong words, you must, he uses these words, above all, above all. It means that you've heard a lot about the scripture, you've heard about this, and you've heard that being preached. And Paul is saying, above all, there is no contention. There is no challenge with this word. This is the word, above all, Paul is saying, you must. That's not saying to you that you have a choice in the matter. In fact, you do, but the choice is quite extreme. He's saying, as long as you want to remain a follower of Jesus, you must, okay? Listen to the next words that follows. You must live as citizens of heaven. I love the way that it's rendered here in the New Living Translation. You will not find it in the NIV, which is what I normally use. But I'll explain later where they got that idea. They actually got this one right. Okay? But let me start unpacking a bit more before I talk about that for a moment. He says, you must live as citizens of heaven. And then he begins to unpack what that looks like. He says this, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's telling you that you can be a follower of Jesus and conduct yourselves in a manner that is unworthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I see it in the church today. I'm not just talking about Live City Church. The church of Jesus Christ across the world. That there are those who ardently seek to honor him in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are others who live their lives in a manner that is unworthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's possible to do both. In fact, it's possible in some areas of your life to live a, in a manner worthy of. But there are other areas of your life that you have not yet crucified in your flesh. That is a manner that is unworthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we live in this safety bubble that informs us, it tells us, hey, you're okay. How you live your life is up to you. The voices of the world have crept into the church and we have readily and greedily accepted it because it, it allows us and it validates our need to live a sinful lifestyle. And we think it's okay. In fact, I will tell you right now, church, that if you are wrestling with a sin in your life, that if you go online now and Google it, please don't do it right now. I'm saying in a manner of speaking, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. If you go online right now, you can justify about any sin that you want. It's a dangerous place to be in because you'll find so many voices that will agree with you, with your sin. 
The problem was you already knew in your spirit that it was a sin and that's why you had to look it up. Because your spirit had already informed you it's a sin. It's wrong. And yet we will go through and we will talk to people until we find others that will agree with us. We will post it on Facebook hoping that there are other voices who will say, yeah, brother, preach it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We can do that. We don't have to do that. But I want you to go back to the Word of God. And you let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you into all areas of understanding. Because between you and I, while we can talk about there are areas that are gray, that when, you know, look, I'm not sure where this one goes. There's no definitive answer. That's true. But if you are listening to the Holy Spirit, it is always black and white with you. It's always black and white with me when I hear from the Holy Spirit. I know what grieves the heart of God. I know what is right. I know what is wrong. And Paul says, you must conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. We're going to talk about that word conduct in just a moment. I want to break it down for you to find out exactly what was he meaning by that. But he goes on to say that if you conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word good news means gospel. The word evangelize means gospel. The word preach means gospel. They all have the same root Greek word, euagaliso, which means good news. Did you know that every time you share your testimony about how God changed your life, you're actually preaching? Every time you share with someone a story about how God did something great in your life, you are evangelizing. Some of you think evangelism is a very difficult and dangerous word. Not to you. It's just living out your Christianity. I feel that as a church, we are not living the radical Christian lives. By the way, I call it radical because it's not where we're at yet. But it's actually the normal Christian life. We have somehow degraded our understanding of what it is to be a follower of Jesus because we wanted to live in our comfort zone. Can I tell you, Paul is saying, and if you've been listening to any of the messages I've been preaching lately, you cannot undermine the Word of God. You cannot exchange and try to add to the Word of God, to water down and dilute the Word of God. It either is the Word of God or it's not. Again, I'm going to break this down for you. He says that if you can conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then, he says, as a consequence of living and intentionally living and conducting yourselves, your life, in a manner worthy, he says, when I come to see you again, or if I hear about you again, because he's basically saying, I may not make it. I may die in prison. He's writing this in prison. I will know. If you can just agree with me that you will do this, you will conduct yourselves, your lives in a manner worthy, I know that you are standing together, and I know that you are fighting together. There are three things that I want to give you today as we unpack the word this morning. The first one, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy. Okay, that's the first thing I really want you to get this morning. How do we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You're probably asking. I decided to look up that word conduct and to figure out what are they actually saying in the original Greek. And uh, please forgive me, uh, forgive me, Greek scholars, if for those of you that know how to do it right, I just I know how to use Strong's Concordance. So I look these things up. I know how to look at commentaries. Polituome. Politu, Polituome is the actual word. 
It means, you ready for it? So conduct, conduct yourselves as kingdom citizens. It means to behave as a citizen. So the NIV does not use the word citizens of heaven. New Living Translation does. This is where they get it from. That word conduct means to behave as a citizen. To be a citizen, to administer civil affairs, to manage the state, to be a citizen or to behave as a citizen, to avail oneself or recognize the laws to conduct oneself as pledged to some law of life. It's a lot of words, but basically you're saying this. I recognize that there is a greater law that that supersedes every law on this planet. That that is the one law that is super uh, is the super law that I must follow. I I acknowledge that it's there, and I agree with it. That's what you're actually saying. This was a dangerous concept when it was first shared, because it was first when Paul wrote this. It was he wrote this during the time of of the Romans, the Roman Empire. He was imprisoned at this time, writing these things, and he's saying to these guys, "Hey." Despite what the law tells you, despite what Roman law tells you, despite what the present government tells you, if it ever contravenes or contradicts the super law, you know the one law that you're supposed to follow. It is the law of God. We're living in days right now where it is increasingly becoming uncomfortable to live a genuine, normal, let's just call it for right now because we're not there yet, radical Christian life. You look at the case story of Israel Folau. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, that what he wrote wasn't going to be inflammatory in the first place. I'm not there to set out to make enemies, okay? So I'm not there to justify what he wrote or not. But what he believes in was de- is definitely something we are supposed to agree with, okay? He's only quoting the scripture. No drunkards, none who are sexually immoral, Okay, which includes, yes, I know, LGBTQ, all of it. But it's not just that. He was talking about the rest of the scripture, the greedy, those who are stealing, those who are lying. It, it includes them all. He wasn't targeting one group of people, but they were, they were taking that and want to make him a, an example. But then they started to realize if we make him example, we're actually going to make a martyr out of him. It is inflaming and is polarizing the country because at the moment they thought they could win this one hands down. They thought, you know what, we're going to make an example of this guy. Qantas decides we're going to, we're going to shut down our, our sponsorship if this guy continues. They made a threat. The, the rugby union agreed to it. And then other companies started agreeing with this because they thought, oh, we better follow suit because that must be the right thing to do. Obviously, everyone agrees with this. And then quickly they realized that all of a sudden, oh, no, there's a backlash. Still in, uh, under, under uh, in embedding the culture of our nation is still a culture that fears God, ultimately. At least more than half the nation agrees with this. Polls are being put out on Facebook land. I shared one with you saying, hey, this is to do with religious education in schools. But for others, do you, do you agree that what he did was right or wrong? And the majority said, yes, what he did was right. What he stands for is correct. You have to determine these things inside you. Because you can't remain quiet forever. At some point, you're going to have to speak up for what you believe in. I want to ask you this. What do you actually believe in? Is this a word of God or is it not? His views in the past, in the, I mean, I grew up in 19, I know I'm sure my age, it's okay. 1970s Australia. 
if in 1980s Australia, you know that homosexuality was illegal back then. Illegal. They would definitely have agreed with him. No issue at all. But you try and say this kind of thing today, it is inflammatory and people call it hate speech. Even though Jesus never riled us up and told us to hate. Never. But to love. He loved the prostitutes. He loved people in all kinds of crazy lifestyles. And that's what we're going to do. But they missed out on the other aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. Paul reminds us in this passage, we are kingdom citizens first. And that we are to represent. That word represent. Let me just try and, and make, it, make it make sense to you. It comes from the word present. Okay? When you say to represent, you're going to re-do again, present. We are supposed to re-present the kingdom in a worthy manner. You might have heard me once share this. It was a mind-blowing thing when I heard this. The rabbis believe that that word, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, isn't actually referring to don't swear, which, by the way, you shouldn't do. Okay. It's, it's not just that. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. What it's actually referring to is this, that if you are claiming that you are a Christian, but you are living in a manner unworthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have taken the name of the Lord in vain because his name is on you. We are living hypocritical lifestyles if we're declaring to be a follower of Jesus and yet live in a manner unworthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I notice that the claps are few and far between. God bless you. Courageous people. Amen. The rest of the church will hopefully get fired up eventually. Come on, church. You've got this. You're almost there. Miles Monroe, was, uh, he's uh, re- uh, passed away last year in a plane crash. But he was like this expert. He was so good on preaching about the kingdom. He makes a statement. He says, a kingdom, because Jesus says, Wherever he went, he preached the kingdom of heaven is near. It was another way of saying the kingdom of heaven is here. Okay? It's this anomaly that is very difficult to understand. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is here and it's also going to come. I know this is going to mess you up. Do we still have sickness on the planet? We do, right? So, but when we pray, do we see some healings and miracles? Yes, as well. We do. Not all of them get healed, but they do. But do they get sick again later? Probably. So although we can enforce the kingdom now, it is only temporary. Temporary. We try and do these things. I know people who are, you know, they may be healed completely. Like uh, last year, Gus was praying for, uh, he prayed for a guy several years ago. And his leg, he had one leg three inches shorter than the other. I am not exaggerating. It was three inches shorter than the other. And, he's, and I remember Gus coming to me saying, Pastor Paul, I'm praying for people. I'm seeing these miracles and healings. I'm praying for this guy. I'm not getting a breakthrough. What do I do? Just come and pray with me. Remember this, Gus? We're praying together. And then we saw a miracle then. So I said, okay, go ahead and pray for the guy. And then he did. I didn't see him pray for two more people. He comes back up. He says, Pastor Paul, the leg only grew one inch. Only. Only grew one inch. I said, well, okay, come pray with me some more. Stir up your faith. And we began to pray some more. And then he went back and prayed for the person. It grew another inch. He says, Pastor Paul, I'm so frustrated. I can't get that last inch. It's still an inch short. Okay, let me finish off these last few. Come and join me, and then we'll do it together. So we prayed. I finished the guys that I had. This is the last person there. And we prayed for him, and the leg grew. The man walked away. He had to, he had to throw his shoes away 
because he had platform heel on one foot and a normal heel on the other. And I came back last year, and I remember seeing the face of this guy. He looked so different. This old, he was an older man. And so we're praying for him over another matter. And, and I saw his son was in. I said, by any chance, did we have a team that came and prayed for your father? He had one leg three inches short and the other. He says, yes, exactly. He's had to throw those shoes out. He, it's, his legs are perfect now. Never went back. Give a hand to the Lord for that. We can enforce the kingdom, but now his pinky finger was hurting him. Okay? But the point was, is that while we can enforce heaven on earth, it is temporary. It is kingdom now, and is kingdom to come. So what we do is we administer the kingdom, and we release the kingdom over our circumstances. We release the kingdom over our situations. The kingdom of heaven, I want you to understand, is the first kingdom that ever existed. And it's the one that you and I belong to. We are dual citizens of kingdoms. We are in the kingdom of Australia. And we are, and we are the kingdom of heaven. If we were to put a price on which one is the most important one, I would say the kingdom of heaven. It must be the one and only one above all. But we also represent the kingdom of Australia. Because I can't go overseas without my kingdom of Australia passport and just tell them I'm a kingdom of... <laughs> Of heaven, I don't need a passport, you know, it doesn't work. So, you know, we got to be, you know, in the world, but not of the world. So I will take a passport, Kingdom of Australia. The moment that I take that with me, there is a respect that is afforded me. They look at me differently because I have an entire country behind me. If anything happened to me, my country is going to find out. And if another nation touched me that shouldn't have done that, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. I may still die, but the point is they have to be very, very careful with me because they realize they could, they could be claiming outright war if they mistreat me because I represent a kingdom. And I don't think we understand this kingdom well enough. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 to 16 says these things. It talks about the saints of old, the people of faith that you look up to. And it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are an alien. Turn to the other neighbor and say, stranger? How's it going? Aliens? And strangers on this planet. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do you understand that God, that God has prepared a city for you, mansions for you, mansions because you are not servants, mansions because you're not just friends in heaven, mansions because you are a prince, and for the ladies, a princess of heaven. We live, we have mansions actually set aside for us in heaven.
And they're building annexes to it. The more you serve the Lord, the more you sacrifice to the Lord. Those buildings, I mean, I, I keep talking about I'm going to have a movie theater, not just a movie room. I'm going to have a theater. You can all come. You're all invited in heaven one day. I'm not just going to have a little pool. I'm going to have an Olympic-sized pool with a little bar in the middle there. You can have your drinks and all that and swim for a little bit. Might have a cook and a chef over here on the other side. An angel will serve me. And then I'll just keep swimming around. I want to be able to do a complete round. I'm going to have a moat, swimming pool moat around my, around my place. So I've got to pay a lot. I'm going to sacrifice a lot because I want this. <laughs> Adam and Eve declared independence against heaven. They were first in the kingdom of heaven. That's where they came from. And they enjoyed the benefits of that kingdom. They never got sick, which means they were never sad. They were never in pain. They were never in sorrow because nobody died. And God had told them, if you disobey, you will surely die. And they never quite understood the concept and the consequences of what they did when they declared their independence against heaven. That's what happened when they sinned. Every benefit of the kingdom was lost. The, the language was lost. The culture was lost. The values was lost. Their morals were lost. Their convictions were lost. The lifestyle they enjoyed was lost. He didn't have to work hard for things. Did you know there was no weeds in the garden? There was no weeding. Things would just grow, and you just collected the fruit and gave it to the animals or ate it yourself. There was, everything was absolutely perfect before they rejected God's kingdom. And so Jesus says, according to the scripture, he came, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. What did he preach about? Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. It's not just about salvation, because salvation is one thing. But if you understand the kingdom, you become very dangerous. I want you to understand that becoming part of the kingdom wasn't something that is just cheap and easy to come by. Again, we don't understand these things because we were not raised in a kingdom. We, we are raised in a republic. It's a different situation. And our, and our leader gets chosen all the time and picked and they rotate through. But like the kings, you're born into it. You don't choose your king. Back in the days of the kingdoms... They would have a castle around the kingdom. You could never get past those walls unless you're, you're declaring full-scale warfare. You would need an army to get through the walls of the kingdom. You were protected. The citizen of the kingdom enjoyed this. They enjoyed prosperity. They enjoyed health. There was, there was medicine there. They enjoyed education there. They enjoyed food. They were able to eat because everything that was... Uh, that was grown in the kingdom was shared with the kingdom. But for a person outside the kingdom, it was a hopeless situation because they couldn't access public health. It didn't exist for them because they're not in the kingdom. They could not go to a restaurant because, well, number one, there were no restaurants outside the kingdom, and they didn't have money to barter or trade with. And so they could only grow what they could grow and eat, eat that, they could only uh, wear what they killed or made themselves, and so they looked like wretches outside the kingdom. They were under and below the poverty line by a mile. And so the people that lived outside the kingdom always wanted to be in the kingdom because in the kingdom was prosperity, in the kingdom was wholeness, in the kingdom was health, in the kingdom was life. You were protected but in the kingdom. There were soldiers to protect you. And so... You could not choose to be in the kingdom because you had no rights. 
But when the king decided to choose you and invite you into the kingdom, now you have an opportunity. Only the king could invite you in. And all you had to do was say one word back in those days that would seal the deal. It was a word that would establish your relationship, and it was the word Lord. You would call the king Lord because now a relationship is established. See, we struggle with that word Lord. Jesus is Lord. You know, God is the Lord of our lives. Is he actually the Lord? See, a lot of people like Jesus as Savior. I want to be saved, but they don't like him as Jesus as Lord because now you got to follow what he tells you to do. But that's the way it was in the kingdom. By saying Lord, you're saying whatever you say and command me to do, you are my Lord. I'm your servant. I will do whatever you want me to do. But we forget there's an exchange. Because the moment he becomes Lord of your life, he now has a responsibility for you. It is a poor king indeed if his subjects are going without food. It is a poor king indeed if his subjects are dressed in rags. The Bible says that when the queen of Sheba came to visit King Solomon, she was amazed not at all the big castles and things. She was more amazed with how the little people lived. She was watching as the servants are dressed in this incredible clothing and the food that they ate. They, no other kingdom had what they had because of the glory of the king. Some of you in your prayers, you are like peasants when you're praying before the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, God, can you just give me a little bit? Oh, God, you've forgotten he's your Lord. It's his job to look after you. Jesus said, the pagans, they worry about what to eat or what to wear. They worry about so many things and stress over, but not you. He says, you don't have to even ask for those things. The Lord already knows before you opened your mouth. It's his job to take care of it. So when you pray, change the way you pray. Don't come as a poverty-stricken person. Come as a citizen of heaven. Some of you are starting to get this. Praise the Lord. I'm making, a, making breakthroughs. The kingdom you follow affects how you react to the circumstances around you. It informs you of your rights in the spiritual world and the natural world. If you believe the king of kings has the greater authority, then heaven begins to transform earth around you until earth begins to look a little more like heaven. A naturally minded citizen will be anxious about the troubles of life. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I'm not talking about the person next to you. I'm talking to you. Have you been worrying about the issues of life? Have you been worrying about your job? Have you been worrying about your income? Have you been worrying about food? Have you been worrying about the stresses of life? Ask yourself that question. Am I a naturally minded citizen or am I a kingdom minded citizen? Hmm. A kingdom-minded citizen operates from a place of hope and faith. Kingdom citizens don't shy away from a good fight. They already know the outcome is bent in their favor. The whole thing is rigged. <laughs> Hashtag winning should be your logo, your motto for life. That's your mantra for life. Hashtag winning. Doesn't feel like it sometimes when you're in the fight, but no. God has already bent that in your favor. That's why it means when it says he has made you more than overcomers. Now, I want you to listen to this, drawing close. The devil's greatest weapon is to convince you that you are all alone. 
The devil's greatest weapon is to convince you heaven is not yours and that you have no rights. Because if he can convince you of that, he has robbed you of your identity. And now he has rendered you powerless. This is what disturbs me. I'm not angry at the person. I'm just angry that, that Christians don't get it. When they're posting all kinds of nonsense on, on, on Facebook about, oh, woe is me, woe is me. You are a kingdom citizen. You've lost your identity. The devil has taken hold of you, and that's why I'm angry. Not at you. I'm angry at the devil for having stolen your identity. What he doesn't want you to know is that you have the power to rain down hell on his head. The devil didn't create hell. Heaven created hell for the devil and his minions. And you can rain down hell on the devil when you tap into God's kingdom. How about, for a change, you become the devil's worst nightmare? High-five somebody around you. I need to see this. I want to become the devil's worst nightmare. That when I wake up in the morning, he says, oh, no, here it comes again. I love how Smith Wigglesworth, you know, the way he lived his life, he was so aware of, of, his, of his kingdom citizenship. That, I mean, apparently the, the story tells us that one particular night he, was, he could not go to sleep. The, the dreams and the battles he was having until he woke up and he realized there was a demonic figure sitting on his bed. And he realized, oh, it's you. And then he went back to bed and had the best night's sleep. <laughs> Don't give him another moment's thought. He's not worth it. Only the Father is worth it. Amen. The Holy Spirit was given to you to help you to know how to live kingdom culture. And he is sent to you to reteach you, to inform you what was lost. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 1.22, he set his seal of ownership on you. And he put his spirit in your hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Do you know what a guarantee is? It's saying, this is absolutely and completely going to happen. I am not lying. The Holy Spirit's telling you all these things that you can enjoy. It's the, it's the things to come. I'm going to show you now. I'm going to rain down heaven on you, and I'm going to rain down hell on your enemies. But if you don't follow the law, you're going to get kicked out of that kingdom. You are only allowed to remain in the kingdom just as long as you obey the laws of that kingdom. When you break the law, the Bible calls it sin. But what you're following in the Bible is the constitution of heaven. That's what we're following. We're saying, I want to tap into every benefit I get. I want, I want you to rain down hell on my enemies. I want to live a great life. You can't do that outside the kingdom. <clears throat> Thank you, sis. If we don't follow the law, we become outlaws. That means outside of the law. When we live outside the law, that very law becomes your enemy now. How can we ask the kingdom to look after us when we live outside the kingdom laws? How can we expect the kingdom to protect us when we're living outside the kingdom? There's no army to protect you outside the kingdom. You have to be in the kingdom to enjoy the protection 
You have to be in the kingdom to enjoy the benefits of that kingdom. Let me go very quickly and finish the message. I spent all my time on the first point. That's okay. Let me give you the next two points. We've got another one. <laughs> Let's just do that. Thanks, brother. Good point. Why don't we stand to our feet? Jesus spent his time on this planet to preach the kingdom because a people had forgotten their identity. They had forgotten all about this kingdom of heaven and were living in the here and the now. But God is reminding you today, there's more. If you bow your heads and close your eyes with me, I just want to speak to you for a moment. Some of you have been living like paupers for a very long time. You have been begging God for things, been borrowing, stealing to try and make ends meet. You've been stealing from the tithes and the offerings because you, you are, you're a beggar. You're, you're living in poverty outside the kingdom. You're not even sure that when you pray for something, God is going to answer your prayers because you've lost your identity. Jesus loves you. And this is the message of the gospel. That that which has been lost is going to be recovered. God is restoring the kingdom of God to you today. Because of his extreme, radical love for you. You are so precious to him that he would sacrifice himself in order to restore you back into the kingdom which was lost. As I've been speaking today, some of you have been resonating with that word. You realize I have been living outside the kingdom. I've been living a life contrary to the laws of God, the constitution of heaven. And I have been suffering. I recognize that now. I could not understand why I was not enjoying the benefits of heaven. But I understand why now. And I want to make that right. You're saying, I want entry back into that kingdom. The kingdom of the great King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want you to think long and hard about this because... Some of you have been living like paupers a very long time. You've been living like outlaws. And it seems like none of your prayers are being heard. And it feels like you're doing this relationship thing alone. But the Father never wanted you alone. But to be a kingdom citizen, that's that word conduct. It means to live according to the statutes of that kingdom. The laws of that kingdom. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to come back into the kingdom. Would you pray with me this prayer as I close today? Because we want that restoration. Dear Heavenly Father, we want all the benefits of heaven. And we ask for entry back into the kingdom. Be our king. Be our Lord. And let your words be my words. Let what you love be what I love. And what you hate be what I hate. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a hand to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning. God bless you, church. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.